Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 221 with our review of The Place Beyond the Pines. I'm Christopher Schneezy. I'm Carson Patrick. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, Carson Patrick and I dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases, television shows, and web series from the past week and beyond. Each week, you're going to get a couple of different episodes. You're going to get some reviews. Uh, this week, we're going to have a review of you know what you're listening to now, The Place Beyond the Pines, and also Oblivion. Uh, you'll also get a What We've Been Watching segment where we discuss some of the things we've been watching outside of the podcast, and then a trailer talk segment where we discuss uh, a bunch of trailers that hit the internet recently. So how are you doing today, Carson? Um, it's not going to be my fault if I fall asleep during this <laughs> recording. Because uh, I, like, I just sat down right now, and... I'm I'm fighting it. <laughs> right. I'm in like I'm like dreamy. I'm in the dreamy visual land of uh, of oblivion or something. <laughs> Are you in in a trance put on by Rosario I'm, Dawson's voice? I'm I'm in a trance. I'm in uh I'm yeah. I've gotten I've got everything. It's hit me all at once. Dude, I, I bet you're surprised, but I actually have that trance review up right now before we got around to recording this week's episode. <laughs> Good, good. Good way to get ahead. <laughs> I would say I'm feeling particularly proud of myself, but you know, it's only like two weeks late, so <laughs> Well actually technically two weeks late in the for in the chance of when that film was released, but not two weeks late in the sense that like I had it up, you know, not too long after we had recorded that episode. It's only been a week though. Yeah, yeah, true. I don't know. It, it, it just feels weird because we had that long block of time that was that was missing. That's true, but it's okay because you're back. That's right, back. You, you're, you're cruising the streets in a new car now, so. That, that's right, I am. <laughs> but I, I realized that after I was, uh, you know, at, at, at the beginning of that trance review, and we, I said that I was dealing with a bunch of stuff, but I never actually said what that stuff is. Um, so for anybody who was curious, my car imploded on me um, after 12 years, finally drove that thing into the ground, and I was dealing with the car being in a garage for a week and then having a rental car for a week while I dealt with trying to call various insurance places and um, trying to go around test driving vehicles and talking with my bank, getting ready to buy my new car. Um, so that kind of took time away from A, the free time that I had to be able to record and edit episodes and B, the time it actually takes to go to a movie theater and sit down and watch a film. Um, you know, being without a car for that first week, I didn't really feel like calling people and be like, hey, will you drive me to the movies? <laughs> <laughs> I, I figure people would not appreciate that. Yeah, your roommates were too lazy? Uh, well, you know, they're not always here, so. Oh, well, that's true. Yeah, we all we all have very strange schedules, so. But you know what? So you didn't have your car. That means you took up uh, riding the motorcycle. That's right, I did. And, yeah. you know, like it's, it turns out that, you know, my father was a big motorcycle guy, <laughs> so you know it, it runs in the family. So he's I, a stunt I, performer in the in the carnival. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Have you have you ever seen? By the way, I mean this is I guess this isn't technically a tangent because it directly relates to this film. But have you ever seen in person those uh, motorcycle cage rider guys? I don't believe I have. No. I've seen it one time in person when I was really little, and like I think when I was little and I saw it, I was like, "That's cool," but I didn't really 
understand the gravity of what's happening and because first of all it's a tiny ass little cage and there's three mm-hmm. motorcycle guys spinning around in it like back when i was little i was just like oh that's cool but watching the beginning of the place beyond the pines where you know th- this film opens with one of those cage motorcycle scenes um i was like holy crap like if anybody crashes and like how do you like you know, like when you watch like the X Games and you see like BMX riders or motocross riders like doing crazy, insane tricks, they all start by jumping their bikes into foam pits. Like they practice in a way yeah. that allows them to know whether or not they can land the trick before the first time they actually try it when they're going to risk their life. Um, when you're learning how to ride motorcycles inside of a giant cage ball, I, I don't think there's really much like what do you do to practice that before just <laughs> risking your life? I, I don't know. I guess you'd have to ask them. I guess. I mean, I, You're going to have to Google it. It seems like one of those things where I could probably easily answer that question by simply doing a YouTube search and watching some horrific accidents, but I don't think I want to see that. There's got to be an interview with some kind of a motorcycle stunt guy who's done that, and uh, he'd tell you all the tricks. Yeah, either that or it's one of those things where it's sort of just – like mathematically it works out perfectly where you're almost doing nothing besides staying on the bike and it just does the rest for you. Maybe it's like one of those magic tricks where it looks more dangerous than it is, but I just, it seems really gnarly. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't do it. And it's also one of those things where it's like doing this sort of extreme event, you have to really trust the people around you. Cause like you're literally, <laughs> you're literally as bad as your weakest link. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. If uh, Joe Blow, you know, your third guy is uh, out partying all night, and you've got a you got a show the next day. Yeah, I'm gonna feel a little worried. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's also it's like if you're a trapeze artist, if your other trapeze guy is really crappy, yeah, he might drop you and then you fall into your net. Um, right. And, yeah. And, but everything's okay. Just your show's ruined. If the one guy messes up in the motorcycle cage ball, um, I I don't really know how you just like walk away from that <laughs> unless you're ryan gosling yeah unless you're ryan gosling but we know that he can walk away from everything because he's the scorpion obviously yeah all right well uh what do you say we jump into this week's review of the place beyond the pines carson i right, let's let's i'm ready to to zoom beyond <laughs> all right let's take, let's take a look at the trailer and then let everybody know what we thought Romina here? Who's that guy? He's yours. Don't gonna tell me. I heard from you in over a year. Just took off. My son and I should be around him. I wasn't around my dad, looked the way I turned out. How are you gonna take care of us? I can't think of another line of work that I'd rather be in. You're so smart, you can do anything you want. Just don't understand why you're doing this. I'm a cop, Chad. Got a kid? You want to provide for that kid? You got to do that using your skill set. And your skill set? Shazam. All right, everybody wants to live. Put your hands in the air. 105 in pursuit. Suspect. 104, I got a visual motorcycle. Tom, it's for me. I'm still his father. I can give him stuff. 
found. Officer DeLuca, we're here to search your house. What for? We're looking for the money that Luke Lanton, mayor, may not have given to you. 14 grand. The lion's share is going to our hero. This is your problem. This is our problem, and I'm bringing it to your attention because that's what I should do. I want to do two in one day. Yo, get up! I'm not going to let you bring us both down. There's a way out of this. You're not going to like it. So The Place Beyond the Pines is the story of a motorcycle stunt rider who um, decides to turn to a life of robbing banks to try to provide for the son that he just discovered that he has and all of the events that uh, surround and lead away from that decision. Um, uh, that's all I'll say about that for now. Um, Carson, did you already talk about this in an episode that I published or did you talk about this in an episode that I didn't publish? <laughs> Um, I'm pretty sure it was put out. I think we talked about the trailer, and I had mentioned that I'd seen it. Oh, okay. Kind of, kind of on the sly. Um. So yeah. But you didn't go into a full. No, I don't think I, I dived in fully. All right. Well, why don't you dive in right now and let us know what you thought of this film? Well, I'll just start off and say beforehand uh, that uh, I was briefed yesterday <laughs> about mr schnazy's reaction to this film which i i was uh i had a in my mind i had an idea of what it might be um <laughs> i was wondering if you were going to get a little brief i and i will say this if anyone who's listened before knows uh i think i could say it's safe to say not only is it on this podcast but i think just in general this movie is this year's Killing Them Softly. <laughs> Ironically enough, there are two of the actors from Killing Them Softly in this film. Uh, so that's, you know, there's a link between these two. If only Eric Bana and, like, Saoirse Ronan showed up or something. Um, <laughs> then it would be complete. Yeah, the trilogy would be complete. Um, but I feel like that Killing Them Softly uh, was a film that, you know, all the critics loved and then anyone who saw it the general audiences saw it and hated it but i feel like uh this one's even more of a divisive film because not only are audiences kind of just not on board with it but neither are critics it's a movie i feel like you're either you're with it or you're not um and there's a deciding moment in the film <laughs> where you either stick with it or you say this movie or something you know yeah. I don't know. I, I just I feel like there are like volatile reactions to the film at the at the point in which it happens. And uh... well, I, I there is definitely a deciding moment, but I don't think it's just that that event is the deciding moment. I think that that event is a bookend between when the moments that don't work start. So this film like right. this film is telling technically three story arcs that overlap and and, and rely on each other. And I think right, that, I mean, it's a linear story that spans 20 years or so. Yeah, and, and, and it's really, it, 
in order to be super behind this film, you have to completely buy into and uh, feel the same about all three stories. So I think the reason it's so divisive is, is that not everybody is on board with all three stories. Right, uh, and I, that's what my girlfriend who saw it was on board with the first story and not the last two. And yeah. I feel like uh, I feel like most people went that way. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think I've ever. I don't think I've heard anyone say, "Well, I like the third story the best," or something. <laughs> you know, I would, like I, would be very the, I like two better. I mean, I I will the, I will say that the film does rely on contrivances to get it all together because this is a film that's you know it's about the legacy of fathers and sons and you know it's like a generational film so it's there's all of these things that it need that you know need to kind of like sync together in order for it to happen and obviously yeah. i don't think any of those things would play out uh as it were in real life um but for you know this cinematic uh experiment i completely bought into it like i i thought like the the, the passing of the baton, if you will, through each kind of story, uh, I, I felt it was pretty smooth um, for the most part. And uh, I just like the fact that, you know, Derek C. in France was ballsy enough to be like, I want to make a two and a half hour movie that's just linear. That's not, you know, it's, it's not going to jump ahead uh, how like we see in most films uh you know where it jumps between timelines or it you know we get flashbacks to certain things and i i like that it played out exactly how it would uh right before you and uh you know i think the acting is really strong in the film and i think that uh in each section it's like the actors are selling their their parts pretty well and and I just thought it was a very rich looking film. Like I thought it looks great. I think it looks, it just feels like a lived in movie. And, uh, you know, like I said, there, you know, you have to rely on like some, some, some things to happen and come into place. But, uh, all in all, I thought it was a very powerful film. Uh, you know, and I, I liked how certain things linked up from the past to the present and, and I really liked how they didn't give you a sense of time. You just, you obviously knew it had to start somewhere in the, the early 90s and ended up, uh, you know, what had to have been present day. But I, I liked how, you know, they didn't flash up a title card that said, you know, Synecdoche, New York, 1992 or something. Like, I yeah. I liked how that you, you really only noticed time period, uh, you know, certain, like, like appliances and like computers were old or they weren't there and uh, characters would reference things. And I just like that aspect of not shoving it down your throat and having it just kind of play out like it would, uh, like it would kind of naturally. And uh, I, I just really enjoyed that and how you get a lot, you get a lot of things in, you know, a lot of times in movies, if it's like, especially if it's like a father son or mother daughter type of movie, you know, you get like the the uh, the son who who you know it comes into possession of something that his father gave him, and then there's always like a cheesy flashback, you know, that 
to show you how I like how they they essentially have those moments in this movie, but they're just relying on the fact that you'll remember how they came into be. I don't know, like it just it really worked for me. So, um, and I, I also uh, I, I liked the uh, I liked I thought the 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 uh, I thought having how how will I phrase this? I thought what they did between parts one and two, I, I thought it was a pretty risky move. I, I liked it. I thought it was something that uh, was bold and uh, it was it was unexpected. Um, and and I think that uh, yeah, I mean, I I, uh, I I was fully on board with it. So. Yeah, it's one of my favorite movies that's come out so far this year. All right. Well, I'm I'm going to try I'm going to try to address certain things um before like while I'm going into my thing. Obviously, I didn't have the same enthusiasm for this film that Carson had. Uh, you know, the I I did fall into the camp of people who, you know, looking at the three stories, I think as they progress in the linear fashion that they do, they become less and less interesting. Like by the time I get to the third story set, um, I'm well. First of all, I think that the the actors in the third one uh, are there. I cannot get behind those characters at all, simply because of who those characters are and the way they're acted. Like just who they're playing is completely uninteresting and unsympathetic to me. Um, so like by the time we got there, and I'm already entering a third storyline. And I'm getting these new actors who are playing these characters that are just kind of borderline obnoxious. Like they just, I don't, I don't know what the decision was to make, especially, uh, especially the Bradley Cooper son. Um, like the way yeah. just <laughs> that guy, his character was just beyond obnoxious. Well, his character was completely obnoxious, but I thought he was for the character. I mean, I thought it was very well acted. No, like the that fact guy, that he was supposed to be that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it, it's I'm not complaining about the way he acted. Just the choice to to write that character that way. Like, yeah. The further because basically the first story arc is the most compelling, the most dramatic, the most um, really it everything in the film that is really uh, you know it, the film uses it as a setup but it's really the the core to the drama in general and everything else in the other two storylines is playing and hinging completely on the events of that first one and like i almost feel like uh if parts 1 and 2 would have been happening like concurrently like like if if they were if those story ar- arcs didn't just meet and pass off if they actually were happening and we were flashing back and forth between Bradley Cooper and and Ryan Gosling and like we were just we were seeing all of all of the things that they're doing that you know sort of relate to each other if we saw those as one act and then then we you know jump forward and we do the rest of the film I think it would have worked better um you know the event that we keep hinting at uh that that is sort of the dividing line between what people um you know, where people stop liking the film. I had no problem with that event itself. Like, I thought it worked thematically. I thought um, I thought it was, it was interesting. Um, I thought, like you, I thought it was a brave move. But the problem is, that middle section of the story is, is so muddy. Like, we start off and, like, 
we're introduced to Bradley Cooper as sort of this this rookie cop who's um, not really so great at like he, he's literally like the new guy who's trying to cut yeah. his teeth on the force and trying to be good, and he gets thrown into a situation where he's kind of like he's not he's not a bad guy. He just is he's a rookie he's, and he's a rookie. He's not living up to. Um, he's not being honest about like his rookie stuff that he he does, and he like he he doesn't come off as a bad guy. He just is sort of like a crummy cop, like not not crummy as in like a corrupt cop, but just crummy in that like he's just not very good. And there's he, nothing really to get behind to feel supportive of his character. Um, and as soon as you start making that idea in your head, we're introduced to like worse cops, <laughs> and like yeah, I, I, actual bad cops yeah yeah like like your your classic like uh corrupt crops uh, corrupt crops uh your, <laughs> your your classic corrupt cops and be, because like there's this weird muddy transition like it starts to like i don't know what i'm supposed to feel for bradley cooper and like as that middle section just went on and was like muddier and muddier and muddier i was just kind of like i don't like i to be honest, like until Bradley Cooper shows up, I completely forgot he was in this movie at all. And the second he shows up, I'm like, "Oh yeah, that's right, he's in here." And then I immediately was like, "Oh, I don't know." Like from the moment on, that moment on, like before he does anything in the film, I'm just like, "Oh, I have a feeling we're not going to be like, like the main plot of the film isn't going to be what we're looking at because there's still like two hours left of this movie, so we're yeah. we're, we're going to be seeing like." the dynamic of what was going to be like, I was so like entrenched and drawn into the film as it was that as soon as like it started to expand and cover more ground, I was kind of like left wanting more of the story that was that, that, that the film started off um, being most uh, like most concerned with. And then as it branches out and starts to fold more stuff into the mix and make the story not more complicated, but just involving more people, I kind of, my, my interest in the film starts to lessen and lessen and lessen. And once it makes the jump forward in time, like the rest of the film, I know exactly how it's going to play out. And, you know, sometimes I, it, I mean, obviously we, we talk about trailers on this film. So there's a lot of times we're like, we'll see a trailer like, Oh, I know that this is going to be the progress of the story and this is how it's going to end. But in the context of the film, I'm not like, it doesn't bother me that I was right from watching the trailer. Um, it just, it, it's just a, a, you know, a fact we watch a lot of movies and that's what we go. But the transition of this film, it's more than just like being able to piece it together because you've seen enough movies to know that this is the way things go. It's like you literally see all the strings in place to set up two moments and then you're just waiting for those moments to happen. And because the characters themselves are written in a very weird way, like all the younger kids in the film, like I just, by then I really do not care about them at all. And it kind of like, I'm just, waiting for something to happen to try to draw me back in but it's not really happening um and even the, even the moments of tension that i i know about that I, that I expect seeing coming when the characters get to the point where they have to actually discuss those things they don't really feel like resolving it they just acknowledge that they're there and then the film continues and i, I don't know it just it, it's weird that the film was that the story was put in this linear fashion, not just because it's a linear storytelling method, but just because it kind of really feels chunked out. Like it doesn't feel like just a linear story. It feels like three separate stories that have been slammed together into um, this thing. Like I almost feel like they could make a trilogy of films um, and expand the stories of each one of these 
and it would have felt stronger because it would have made more sense that there's this disconnect um but yeah i don't i don't know well, I mean, I think the what you said about having the uh, Ryan Gosling story and Bradley Cooper's uh, story happening at the same time, uh, I feel like that is exactly the kind of move that would have happened in like maybe like a studio movie or a or a, a movie of that sort. I, I feel like that is the kind of move you would. Like judging from the trailer, you would think that would be what would they that what they would do. Um, so I don't know. I think when when I when I first saw the movie, and you know Bradley Cooper hadn't shown up for like the first thirty minutes, I was like, well, I think this is how they're gonna go. And uh, like I I liked that they were doing that setup. Um, obviously the the transition between parts two and three basically aren't as smooth as uh, the first two. But, uh, you know, I, I was I was in I was wrapped up in the whole, you know, how this one event, you know, had reper- repercussions, uh, not only to, you know, someone's life way down the line, but, uh, you know, to Bradley Cooper's life and how it affected him. And, you know, it it changed him from being just this, you know, kind of rookie cop. And he went from like noob to hero overnight and um I liked seeing like those events play out, and uh, like I said, the the next jump is a little uh, isn't as smooth. But I was still intrigued by like how everything was gonna go down, and I think by the final scene, I don't know, I was like, I was just really on board with. Uh, <laughs> I really liked that final scene. I don't know about you, but like they, the, yeah. the the film's kind of tag at the end. The film's like very end where he goes to the farm, yeah, 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 to buy the bike, and See, like, uh, some of those things that although they could be called cheesy, I didn't mind them. Like I, yes, they're like you, you, you fully admitted earlier that there's some like contrivances in this film. Um, those aren't what bothered me. It, it was more the process through which the transfer of those happened. Like it, it's like there, there's a scene, there's a scene. Uh, that like I I at that point in the film I almost thought was gonna happen the scene where Cricket is eating ice cream and like I thought oh, for sure yeah. I thought for sure that the, the, he was gonna say some line like I don't know why but eating ice cream always makes me feel better like <laughs> I like that it, <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> like there is just and if you haven't seen the film and you're listening to this that doesn't make any sense um and it's you not... see that, but that's that's a prime example of why I really like this movie is that he is eating ice cream but he doesn't say anything like that it's just kind of instinctively there uh, just kind of how I feel like he instinctively knows how to ride a motorcycle <laughs> on his first try. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I feel like, you know, like, and that's a moment where I feel like in a different movie, there would be a really cheesy flashback to <laughs> Ryan Gosling feeding him ice cream. Saying, I want to give him ice cream. That way, every time he eats ice cream, he'll think of my right, face. Right, him laying in bed with Eva Mendez, like... <laughs> Saying the line over. <laughs> well, it wouldn't make sense for him to flashback that since he wasn't present during that conversation. That's true, but I mean, like a reminder to the audience. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it would be more more likely. It would be like him as a baby getting fed ice cream. Yeah. 
and then or yeah him screaming when he's on the motorcycle real fast clearly clearly it, that that's all it took was he put he had put the baby on the motorcycle and turned it on that's all it took for him to and scared the crap out of him. it was it was us you know it was transferred via osmosis <laughs> you know what would have been funny though um when when you know you you say that he instinctively knows how to ride a motorcycle, it would have been awesome if him riding on the motorcycle was handled the way when um uh in the Italian job is it Seth Green who buys a motorcycle? No, no, it's is it? No, it's Seth Green. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Seth Green when he buys the motorcycle, he's just like. <laughs> yeah, he tries to ride off all cool and then he like fails that would have been awesome if uh his first time trying to ride a motorcycle was like that. that that'll be in a scary movie six yeah exactly <laughs> but um he'll fall he'll crash and like hit his nuts or something r- real fast though going back to um when, when you talked about the transition um between uh, as the thought is leaving my head as i'm trying to get this out um we oh yeah when you talked about the transition like when i was saying that it would be nicer if the first two segments were kind of put were, were together and, and and jumping back and forth between the two characters as opposed to having one character's beginning of the arc and followed by the other character's beginning of the arc. And you mentioned that, uh, that you know, like a, a, a normal movie might try to do that or like a film that isn't, uh, I don't remember exactly what you're, do you remember? What? I said like maybe like a studio movie, one yeah. that's not independently financed, I guess. Yeah, and, and like what it comes down to is not just like, the way, the way I see it, and I'm not just trying to like to think of, of a studio movie versus an independent film but just like when you make a decision to do it in a certain way you should be trying to communicate something specific and like I'm, I'm thinking back to um when ryan johnson was on slash film talking about looper when that came out he made a comment about how um or somebody asked him a question about whether the story of like starting off with young joe um, watching that whole thing and then starting the old Joe plotline, whether it was always like that or they had ever had it differently. And I don't remember exactly what the question was, but basically Ryan Johnson was saying that the way they, they, they really wanted the story to be young Joe's story. And even though obviously old Joe is like, uh, you know, the main, one of the main characters, they felt that if you started with the whole um, escape and you didn't have that whole beginning segment where you watch an entire uh, event fold and then go back in time and watch the story from the old Joe, that it would make old Joe the main character, and we yeah. wouldn't be seeing the story from young young Joe's point of view. So like he made a purposeful decision for how to present the story so that we would know who the main character is, basically, or, or so that we'd see it through that character's eyes and judge everything from that character's eyes. Um, but in this film, like the way it's told... Um, Ryan Gosling is is the main character, like the main thing that that causes all events in this film to take place. Like he's the most important element of this entire film. But because of the way the three stories are told in not not like uh, overlapping as they're being told, but in like little chunks. After the first story arc, he becomes less and less important, and he's more of an afterthought than the primary force driving everything. Um, right. So like. It's just, it's handled in such a weird way that, like, I don't, I guess I don't see the positive, like, I don't I don't see the purpose behind the decision to tell the story that way. It could have just been that, like, when you tried jumping back and forth, it just became convoluted and, and it made the earlier scenes with Bradley Cooper um, not seem very relevant if you're bouncing back. Or, first, well, first of all, 
through the way. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, first of all, the they would need extra scenes to be able to do the jumping back and forth. As right. Opposed to just, the, yeah. yeah. Like, we, we learn after the fact that he's only been on the force for six months or whatever. Like you would have to actually show scenes of him being a rookie in order to make that work. And that might have yeah. been like the film's already two and a half hours long or two hours, ten minutes or whatever it is. So maybe they didn't want to make it even longer by intercutting it that way. Or maybe from the very beginning, it was supposed to be told in this linear fashion, but just, well, I, no, no. Cause I mean, I was going to say that even if they did tell the first two parts simultaneously, I'm not saying that that would have made it, you know, not a good movie. I mean, I still think they could have made a good film out of doing it that way. Yeah. Um, but I think the decision to do it this way was definitely, um, a purposeful decision from the director from the get-go. Like, this was his vision to tell it in this way, um, you know, which is a little bit different from what you would, I guess, normally expect it to be, you know, told, yeah. um, especially the way that it is set up. And I think that, yeah, it was definitely, that was, like, his whole reasoning for doing the film is to do it this way. And uh, it, it, it's it's... It's kind of an experiment, and uh, I thought he pulled it off just for the sheer ambition of it. I mean, it's kind of like uh, – I mean, it's kind of like Dark Knight Rises. Like, I I feel like, you know, there's a lot of flaws in that movie, and a lot of critics, uh, you know, didn't like it for that. Um, but I feel like the sheer ambition of what Christopher Nolan was going for – to close out those movies yeah. was enough alone to make me get on board with, uh, you know, with the whole thing, especially by the ending of the film. Um, but I, you know, like I, that's why I feel like I, I gave this movie props for just like, for going for it. Like they, I mean, yeah, like, I mean, I feel like there are, there are problems you can pull out for sure, but, the fact that, like, you know, he pretty much landed it, in my opinion, like, it could have just, like, all just fell apart. Um, and maybe someone would argue that it did, but uh, I felt that he, I felt that it, you know, he just went, you know, by going for it, it was a plus Yeah. to me. And, and, and I, can, I can appreciate the attempt at what he, was, what he was going for, but I think for me, my interest just began to fizzle out and, and maybe if that that middle section was a little bit stronger um i could have kept up the momentum because like literally up until that that transitional period that we were like kind of joking at the beginning of this episode um i was like fully 100 percent invest invested and that's why i think it's so jarring as the story transitions for me to like maintain my interest because um it just starts to fizzle out from there and i think just with bradley cooper's arc like his arc from being like rookie to guy who wants to do something good to like guy who's trying to think on the past, it happens in such a short amount of time that I can't really, I can't get behind his his emotional beats because b before I'm like just when I'm starting to buy into whatever current position he is in his arc, I, he's already onto the next part of his arc and I'm like not, it it just he he we'll say evolves a lot <laughs> like in the story yeah. um, in a really short amount of time. And he's not always like, he's not really a likable character. Like there's not really, I mean, yeah, yes, he has good at, at, in his heart, like, or at, at his core, he wants to be a good guy, but he's not particularly likable during 
most of his appearance in the film. Well, like his rise to from cop to uh, you know the position that he has by the end of the film <laughs> is done pretty shadily. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, like he took some, uh, you know, made some deals with uh, Captain Pike there. <laughs> and you, you know what I thought was funny, and <laughs> I don't know if you noticed it, but like I, I thought. The first time I saw it, I was just like, you know, Bruce Greenwood is essentially when he first shows up in the movie, you're almost just like, is he playing the same character from Flight? <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. Because <laughs> he's like, he's like the guy who shows up yeah. in the hospital. Do, like, do you remember what happened? Did you drink or do coke before you went out and tried <laughs> to arrest this individual? Tried to, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, oh, he only the only difference here is he has a mustache. It's funny, I totally forgot he was in flight until you just brought that up and I was like, nope, <laughs> yep, he's playing that same guy. Same introduction in both movies. <laughs> oh, that's awesome though. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, anything else uh, you want to say about this film? Uh, I really like the music. The score in this movie is really good. Yeah. Mike Patton, Mike Patton of uh Faith No More fame killing it on some of those uh on some of those tracks, man. I really like any time the track where it was like Gosling's riding his bike and it's 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 the track that's like predominantly in the trailer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh yeah, and they they have the same shot for when uh his son is riding his bicycle. <laughs> So I, I was kind of annoyed at first when when his son first shows up on like a BMX bike and I'm just like I'm like dude what I'm like I get it your dad rode motorcycles you're riding a bicycle <laughs> like it just seemed kind of dumb but I was like no lots of kids have bicycles yeah. yeah I mean it made sense since like his you know his family like didn't really have you know they're they were kind of poor and he just yeah. had a bike there's there's just a few there's just a few cheesy moments where we'll, we'll just say when, when you can juxtapose his son having to quickly get away from some sort of building on a BMX bike and then <laughs> thinking back to his dad trying to quickly get away from a building uh, on his little dirt bike. Um, it, 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 I think it's one of those things where like the the context, like the what the film is doing story-wise and narratively it it just it it rides that line between cheesy and doable so thinly that that you really have to be on board with it to have it not seem cheesy. Where like it can totally work in the correct context and if you're feeling in the mood, but if you're just not if you're not perfectly on board with it, it just comes off as kind of hokey. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I think I think this is a film that like you could watch in different moods and feel completely different about it maybe i don't know like i'd be i don't know it's definitely not a movie you'd want to pop in when you're feeling down (laughs) yeah because it's a pretty downer movie throughout oh i was gonna say before when we were talking about um simultaneous uh storylines and stuff it's like i guess he i guess he just wanted to do something linear since he already covered that in blue valentine yeah he already did the whole back and forth thing he's like no i'm just gonna He's going to go for it. He's like, that was a pain in the editing room, so. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what do you say, Carson, we just get into our verdict for this film then? 
All right. View, Carson, we're going to place this on a scale of must-see, recommend with a caveat, uh, wait for rental, pass with a caveat, or must avoid. Where would you place it? Uh, I would definitely give it a must-see. I think it's worth checking out, obviously. Uh, it's uh, Like I said, it was one of my favorite movies I've seen so far this year. I, I mean, if even if you... Even if, like, I knew someone would not like this film, I'd still be like, go see it. Because you're probably going to like the first hour. <laughs> That's the thing is the beginning of this film is so – I think at the beginning of the film was less intriguing and less um, really just gripping that uh, the rest of the film wouldn't have felt so, like, sloggy to me. Um, like, it just there, – there's just such a dramatic contrast between how good the beginning of the film is – and then how the rest of the film is that I, I think it really just hurts it because you're 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 progressing. There's three stories. And with each one, you take a step down as far as um, uh, the just just the weight and the gravity of what's going on, especially considering how some of the weightiest moments of the third section, uh, how they result in. I don't know. I, I can't really say my full piece without being completely spoilery, um, but I just. Yeah, it's just like a gradual step down, and you always want to end strong, not like start strong and then <laughs> step your way down. <laughs> I was gonna say, if uh, if you're a fan mm. of the Gosling, especially if you're like a 23 year old woman girl who really likes the Notebook, <laughs> I don't think you'll like this movie. <laughs> it's like when it's like when they all went and saw Drive. I remember when I saw Drive and. Um, there was like a group of women who clearly were fans of the notebook. And I was like, this is not that kind of movie. (laughs) (laughs) You, uh, this is, uh, I think they were, uh, yeah. I'm sure people had similar problems with gangster squad. Although gangster squad isn't remotely good. (laughs) No, like that's, I was, we were talking about this yesterday. I was saying how like, you know, it seems like Ryan Gosling has a lot of fans, like a lot of people like him. And, um, I feel like there are those people who who like Ryan Gosling and they go see his movies. They they love The Notebook. They love Crazy Stupid Love. They love Gangster Squad. They like all his commercial hits, you know, his movies. Um, and then they go see something like Drive or Place Beyond the Pines or uh, what I can only imagine will be Only God Forgives. And they just are like, what? Like... No, <laughs> they just leave angry. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that that's that's sort of the the positive and the negative of him, like doing films across the gamut of of different types of of films and different types of audience pleasing films. Like, so he's doing everything. So, like, everybody is like, "Oh, yeah, dude, Ryan Gosling's awesome," but they yeah. all think he's awesome for completely different reasons, and it ends up right, putting yeah. putting asses in chairs. Uh, that may not be in chairs next to each other under normal circumstances. Right. I mean, I feel like George Clooney is the same way. Yeah. Um, he'll make a movie that, you know, that people, you know, a certain audience will love. And then he'll make a movie like Burn After Reading. And then the old people walk out and be like, that was horrible. <laughs> like his, you know, crowd will not be on board with it. It's like, uh, like, I know my parents really like Ides of March, but they did not like uh, Burn After Reading or The Descendants. So, like, he, you know, he, he, like, goes back and forth between the two. Oh, Ides of March. There's another Gosling movie. 
I think yeah. most people like that one. Yeah, I think I think that one was was pleasing enough to the older audience. That could be a crowd. That's a crowd pleasing Gosling one. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, he fluctuates. Well, I haven't quite said my piece yet, so it's. I think I'm gonna have to give this one a wait for rental. Um, that that first like that first section of this film is is legitimately is legitimately compelling and like had me on the edge of my seats and so I, th- I think what really surprised me is I kind of expected from the trailers uh, Ryan Gosling to not really be that much of a likable character and yeah. he is so likable and so like he he has his life exactly the way he wants it and yes he may have unknowingly fathered a child uh, but like he wasn't trying to be a deadbeat dad he just was never told of this child and as soon as he finds out about it he's like well i gotta do the right thing obviously he didn't do the right thing the right way <laughs> but, <No. laughs> but like you're still you're still behind him you can tell he's not a bad guy you feel for him even when he's in situations where he is technically being a bad guy you know robbing a bank like that's not you. or you know bashing people in the heads with a wrench <laughs> that too um <laughs> Uh, no, because like he, he kind of is playing a sketchy guy. Yeah, yeah. He's got like d- like turmoil beneath him, but he's still like very likable. He, he he's he's playing a sketchy guy, but it's a sketchy guy who knows when he's done something wrong. Like yeah, the way, like he's a little he's a little more self aware than typical sketchy guy. Yeah, and like he he is willing to like pay for his crimes in, in in or you know when i say crimes i mean like when he does something wrong and he knows it was wrong he's willing to like put up with the consequences of what he did uh, so like he's just a good guy and you know scenes where he's run away on the motorcycle like whizzing through traffic and stuff you're like really concerned for his life um <laughs> you know what i mean like i was like yeah. nail biting like oh god what's gonna happen um so yeah, like that. That beginning is amazing. Um, I don't know that it's enough for me to want to push people into the theater to, to sit, see that if they're gonna have to sit through an hour and a half of the other two plot lines, which I cared a lot less about. Um, so, I think I'm gonna give it a wait for rental. If somebody was like, you know, because I, I have some friends that'll text me like once things come out on Redbox and stuff, and be like, hey, what did you think of this yeah. movie? Was this one any good? If somebody texts me that they're gonna see the Place Beyond the Pines, I'm not gonna try to stop them from seeing. I'm like. I'm like, yeah, I had some problems with, like, the second two-thirds of the film, but if you're just renting it for a buck at a red box, like, it, it'll be it'll be worth watching because it is a, it's a visually interesting film. And, um, you know, the story is impactful. Um, I just don't like its its execution. So, so, yeah, if that's a convoluted enough way to explain my wait for rental, then uh, that's what I'm going with. All righty. So that's going to do it for this uh, review of The Place Beyond the Pines. Carson, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? Uh, you can go to practicalcandy.wordpress.com. People can find me over at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get all the back episodes of the show, including our other review, which we will be doing for Oblivion. You can follow us on Twitter to figure out when these episodes go live at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com or call and leave us a voicemail at 760-575-4TSW. That's 760-575-4879. 
Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to The Place Beyond the Pines. So, hope you're enjoying that right now. And, uh, yeah, th this time around, you know, half the time when I'm like, it'll come from the soundtrack to this movie and then I get to editing and I can't find it, I've actually already acquired the soundtracks for <laughs> for these films, so... Oh, good. Well, yeah, they're a little more uh, readily available. Yeah, but at least this time I know for sure that there will be a song from this soundtrack playing right now because... <laughs> Not the trailer it. theme music played on a loop. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, dude, I seriously get so frustrated when, like, I go to sit down and I spend, like, the first, like, 30 minutes of my time that I want to set towards editing, like, trying to find a place that sells the stupid soundtrack online, or at least find tracks, like, a list of tracks from the film on, like, an unofficial soundtrack, and I'm like, oh, what the hell? Like, okay, well, that's not it. Okay, what's the song in this trailer? Okay, now I'll go buy that. Yeah, it's, it's really obnoxious. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, that's this review. So we are going to take off and then go get onto a review of Oblivion. Carson, thank take you off into me. space. Yes, exactly. But we're not going to go to sector like six one or whatever because we want to. We got to stay out of the radiation zones. Right. Yeah. So, uh, s section fifty two or whatever. Uh, well, thank you for joining me, Carson. Yep. Thank you for having me. And thank you guys all for listening. We will catch you next time.